Would you pray with me over this message? Dear Lord, I pray that these are your words this morning. I pray that I'm accurate to your word, that I don't preach my opinion, that I don't preach things that just sound good, but Lord, that I'm able to point people to you today, and Lord, that that we grow. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, well, we are moving on with the armor of God. And as I said last week, I'm getting to the point where I can't recap them all. Otherwise, that'll be the whole message. So I encourage you, if you've missed some, please go back. They're all available online. But so far, we've talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet of the gospel of peace, or we talked about that's probably something like a cleat that you would wear and the shield of faith. And like I said, I'm not going to try to recap those because that's going to take a long time. But this is where we're up to so far in the armor of God. What I will say every time, and I'll keep saying it because I think it's worth remembering, is that if you are a Christian, you are in a war. There's no way getting around it. You're in a battle. It's not a battle with human beings. It's a spiritual battle. There's spiritual forces that are coming against you if you're a Christian, and there's no way around it. Even if you pretend like you're not, it doesn't matter. Those attacks are still coming. And so what we need to do as Christians is choose to put on our armor. And as I've said, it's not about striving to get the armor. God has provided us with this. The question is not, will we achieve enough to get this armor. The question is, will we leave the armor that's already been given to us on the ground, or will we actually put it on and wear it? So as I've been doing through this whole series, I'm going to start with just a statement, and then I'm going to take the rest of our time to look and see what the Bible has to say about it. So today, the statement that we're going to start with is this. The more that you know about your future, the better you can live out your present. Now, I grew up, and when I was growing up, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I think it's like, it's terrible that we ask kids at like 12 what they want to do with their life, because really, 90% of them have absolutely no idea what they're going to do. And I was the same way. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I had a hundred different ideas of things I could do, and I bounced all around. But I had this friend, his name was Jordan, and I remember from age 10... He knew exactly what he was going to do. He's like, I'm going to be an engineer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on snowmobiles. I want to create engines for snowmobiles. At 10 years old, he knew this. And it did not change the entire time that I knew him. He knew exactly what he was going to go. And I remember being so jealous because all of his decisions were so easy for him because he knew exactly where he was going. So when it came time to pick classes in high school, He just picked whatever class best aligned with that because he knew that's what was going to happen. When it came time to go to college, he knew exactly where to go because he just picked the college that best aligned with his future. And I remember being so jealous because I was like, how nice must that be to absolutely be sure and know what your future holds because then in your present, it's so easy to make decisions because you simply just make the decision that lines up with where you know you're going. And I remember being jealous because for me, I could never do that. I was always stuck kind of every time a decision was, was needed to be made, I was like, I don't know, what do I feel like today? And just kind of making decisions based on what you feel like in a given day isn't very good. It doesn't work out very well. 
And it, it's kind of like when Paul talks about running the race. Paul says, run the race to win. And oftentimes when we think of that, we just think of running fast. But he doesn't actually say that. He doesn't say run fast. What he says is, I don't run back and forth. Because that's really how you run the race to win, is you need to know where the finish line is and run in a straight line, right? You can be the fastest person, and if you're running back and forth and you think it's this way and you get like half a mile and realize you went the wrong direction and have to run back, you're not going to win the race. And that's how so many of us kind of live our life, and that's why we're, we're so confused in the present, because many of us don't really know our future. We don't really know where the finish line is. And so it's really hard to live in the present when we don't know where we're going. And that's why I say the more you know about your future or the more set you are on your future, the better you are able to live out your present because you can actually run the race in a straight line. And it doesn't matter how slow you are. If you're running in a straight line and everyone else is running back and forth, you are going to win. Now, what does that have to do with the armor of God? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And this is what it says. Take the helmet of salvation. That's what we're talking about today, the helmet of salvation. And what's funny is this is very short, right? We just talked about the shield of faith where it's like, take on the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And you have a much longer description. It explains what it's, what it's doing and why you should wear it. And then we get to this verse and it's simply just take on the helmet of salvation, done. Moves on to the next one. Why do you think that is? I think it's probably because wearing a helmet is a no-brainer. Especially if you're talking about you're in war, if you're going to put on one piece of armor, you're probably going to put on the helmet. Because let's think about it this way. Let's say that you are in a battle, and you look across at all the people that you could possibly attack, and you see somebody without their helmet on. Who are you going after? I'm going after the guy without the helmet on. That's going to stick out. That guy I'm going to see from a mile away and say, oh, give me that guy. Because we all know the head is very fragile. The head, if not protected, only takes one hit. And that's it. That person is down and out. And so if you were a soldier that forgot its helmet, you not only were very susceptible to attacks, you were the one everybody would go after. Because again, if we're just being honest, if you have a bunch of people that you could attack and one of them's not wearing their helmet, that is the one you are going after. And so I don't think the Apostle Paul really felt like he had to give a, a big definition to this because he's just like, put on the helmet, right? Duh, do it. Like this is a no-brainer, wear a helmet. It's the same thing, like I remember when I, was, uh, when I was in middle school, I used to do like the trick rollerblading. Do you guys remember when that was big? Like X Games, like do flips and all that on it. And, and the battle with me and my mom was always, she wanted me to wear the safety gear. And I was like, but then it's not cool, right? Like, it doesn't, it's not cool if you're wearing knee pads. And, and I remember we went back and forth and it was always an argument. And finally we landed on just wear a helmet, right? She kind of let me get away with, you don't have to wear the knee pads. You don't have to wear the elbow pads. You don't have to wear any of that. But wear a helmet because even she knew like, okay, that's the hill you need to die on because the... You, you hit your knee, it's going to hurt, but you can come back from it. But your head is like, you hit that wrong, and there's really not going to be a way to come back. 
from that. And so what we can see from here, and just like the pattern for the rest of the armor of God, is you have a piece of, of the Roman armor that we can understand and think about, and then that matches with a part of our Christian walk with God that helps us understand how that helps us and what its role is in our life. And so what we can see is the equivalent of a helmet for a Roman soldier would be our salvation as a Christian. Now that's interesting, but this is what it says, is basically you should wear your salvation over your head, which is quite a visual. So we need to understand what is salvation. When the Bible says, wear the helmet of salvation, what does that word salvation mean? And so I'm going to bring you to a verse you could probably quote in one of the most famous verses in the Bible, but we're going to read it. It's John 3.16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that's one of those verses where you've, you've heard it so much, it almost loses its meaning, right? Like you just kind of, it blurs over because you've heard this verse over and over again. But this is one of those verses that basically lays out what salvation is. Salvation is eternal life. It's this fact that because we our sinners, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So that's, that's what we had to look forward to as sinners was death. And not just a physical death, but an eternal death in hell. But because of what Jesus did, it says, For God so loved the world that he sent his Son, we can believe in Jesus, be born again into his Spirit, and now we have eternal Life. We get to spend eternity in the presence of a perfect God that loves us completely. That's salvation, eternal life. And I know this is like, well, this is Sunday school stuff, Pastor. It's like, yeah, but don't we forget this sometimes, right? Don't we need to go back to some of these basics to remember this? Because it's easy to, to get down into the real deep stuff, but if you lose the core of your salvation, of what makes salvation amazing and unbelievable, you're going to be in trouble because, again, the Bible says that our salvation is our helmet, which is very, very important. And so this is salvation. We now, if we have been born again, if we believe in Jesus, we now have eternal life. That's our future. That's our hope, is that we, we might not know what's going to happen in this life, we might not know, know what's going to happen even today or tomorrow, but we know that at the end of our lives, we are going to get to spend eternity in the presence of a perfect God that loves us perfectly, a God with which we were made to be in relationship with. We will spend eternity in perfect relationship with him if we believe. That's salvation. That's our salvation, and that's the, the core of why we're here is because of that. And so what, what the Bible says is that that salvation is our helmet. It's to be worn over our heads. How does that make sense? Why, why does the Apostle Paul connect those two? Well, I want to bring you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. And it's really interesting because this is very similar. Paul wrote this as well. 
And he, it's almost the exact same as the verse we just read, but he adds a little bit to it. So listen to this. It says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So this idea that salvation is our helmet is listed multiple times in the Bible. So we can really trust that this is true. But he added a word in here. Did anyone catch it? Hope. I believe that hope is one of the most powerful forces that is in this world. I, I don't think we understand the power of hope in this world. Hope is one of those things that even though nothing changes, the circumstances can be exactly the same as they were. But if hope enters into a situation, everything is different. That's a pretty powerful force. Something that allows it so that even if nothing changes, everything changes at the same time. And you guys have probably experienced it, right? Where you wake up and you're, maybe you're looking at, at your financial situation or you're looking at your energy level. You're looking at the amount of laundry you have to do or you're looking at the chore list that you're behind on and you just feel devastated and you feel run down and you're like, I can't do it. But something changes. Maybe somebody gives you an encouraging word or, or you read the Bible or you spend some time in prayer and suddenly there's just a little bit of hope about your future that comes in. And somehow, even though nothing has changed, your chore list is just as long, the, your pile of laundry is just as long, there's just as many bills that need to get paid, but somehow everything looks different because of hope. That's a powerful force. And, and at the same time that I believe that hope is one of the most powerful forces here on this earth, I believe that hope is one of the most underutilized and underrepresented forces in the American church today. Do you guys know that that's supposed to be one of the things that sets us apart from the world? Is that the world's hope is in what's going on. The world can only hope in their circumstances. So if someone doesn't know Jesus, the only thing they can hope in is how good life is. And if life isn't good, then they don't have hope. But what, what makes us different is that we don't hope in our circumstances. We hope in our salvation, meaning even when the circumstances aren't what we want, even when things don't go our way, we can still have hope. And that should be something that when the world sees us, they go, what do you have that I don't have? How can you have hope when I don't see any reason for you to have hope? That's something that, that we are called to have as the church. And that's what our salvation should give us. The idea that we have eternal life, that no matter what happens in this world, we know our future. We know how this all ends. We know that we are going to spend eternity with a perfect God who loves us completely, live in perfect peace, perfect unison with the God that we were created to be in relationship for, that gives us hope. Hope is the idea of I look to the future with excitement. Even if what's in front of me right now isn't exciting, I still can look to the future and be excited. It keeps us from being victims. You guys know how easy it is to get to that victim mentality of like, nothing good happens for me. Everybody else has more breaks than I have. I have it worse than everybody else. That is not a mind that is covered in salvation. That's not a mind, that's not a thought process that is full of hope. 
And you might be asking, is hope really that important? I believe it is. In the life of a Christian, I believe that hope is one of those things that you have to actually protect. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is what it says. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. It actually tells you to be ready to defend your hope. And so not only do you need to be ready to defend your hope, to protect it, to hold on to it, to make sure you don't lose it, even right here it says your hope should be so powerful that it should be an evangelistic tool, meaning people should see your life and actually look at the hope that you have, and they should actually be so intrigued and so moved by it that they're like, tell me why you have that hope. And if I'm just being honest, and this might be an uncomfortable question, when was the last time you had somebody ask you why you had so much hope? Because the Bible is like, we should be expecting that as Christians. There should be people looking at our life and going, tell me why you have so much hope. I don't see your circumstances telling you you should have this much hope. So would you tell me, explain to me why you have all of this hope, because I don't understand it. That should be something that we as Christians have happen to us. Not every day, but if we're being honest, when was the last time somebody looked at our life and said, you need to explain to me how you have all the hope that you have? And if it has happened, that's awesome. But that is the kind of life we're called to have as Christians. We should be so full of hope that those who don't have the hope that we have should be wondering, how? How do you have all this hope? I don't understand it. And this is what protects our head. And as I've said before, the head is one of those places where it only takes one hit. It's very vulnerable. It's very delicate. It doesn't take much. Some of those, like even if you've been watching like football, they, they're trying to protect against concussions. And there's some of these, these times where a player will get a concussion and you'll watch the play and you'll go, that's it? That didn't even look like a hard hit. And they're, they're coming up with new and fancy helmets because they're understanding it, it takes so little for your head to really get damaged. And if you, if, you talk, if, you, if you read the Bible, one thing you'll notice is that the Bible talks a lot about what you think about. Have you guys noticed that? It says, keep your thoughts captive, it says, to actually take your thoughts and keep them captive Apostle Paul is like, here, I'm going to tell you what to think about. Things that are pure and true and good. Think about those things. Don't think about these things. There's a lot that the Bible has to say about our thoughts. Why do you think it is? Why do you think the Bible puts so much importance on our thoughts? Because if you lose the battle up here, you lose the battle, right? If you, if you hit someone in the head, they're out, our thoughts are really important, and our salvation, the hope of our salvation, should be what protects us from that. Because what it does is it keeps the enemy from getting what the Bible calls a foothold. So a foothold, basically what it means is a grip. So foothold comes from like if you're trying to climb a mountain or something, it's a place that either you can get your foot or you can get your hand. Because if you're climbing a mountain, if you can't get a hold of anything, if it's smooth— you can't go anywhere. But if you have that place to get a hold of, you can hoist yourself up and you can, you can move further in. And the Bible says, be careful that you don't give the enemy a foothold, which is basically a grip. Because have you guys realized that with animals or with really anybody, if you can get a hold of their head and direct it, 
you get to actually direct where they go. That's why you put a bit in a horse, horse's mouth and, and you tie it around their head so you can move their head. Because if you can move their head, you actually get to determine where they go because that's who we are. If you guys ever tried to look this direction and walk this way, it doesn't feel good. It feels wrong. We are meant to walk the direction that we, our head is pointed at. And so what you have to understand is, just like in a war, the enemy wants to go for your head because it's the easiest kill, but not just to hurt you, but to control you. If the enemy can control your thoughts, the enemy can control where you go, the direction you're facing. He has a place to get a hold of you and move and direct your head. But that's where hope comes in because hope protects our thoughts. The hope of our salvation is our helmet, meaning the hope of our salvation keeps our mind on heavenly things. The enemy wants you to focus on your circumstances, on what's going on right now, and that's how he can get a grip in on your thoughts. But if we have the hope of our salvation over our heads, what's going to happen is our thoughts are going to be directed to the eternal things, and the enemy's not going to have a place to get a grip in our thoughts. Our heads are going to be protected. He can't direct us. He can't turn our heads, and he can't hurt us in that. See, hope keeps you from riding the roller coasters of life, especially when what you're hoping in is outside of this life. You see, if your hope is in your circumstances, you, have, you get good news and you're up here, and then you get bad news and you're down here, and then you get good news and you're up here. How, does that sound familiar to anyone else? That's just kind of, if we're not careful, that's what life feels like, is we're up and we're down, and it's, everything's great and then everything's terrible because our hope is in what's going on right now. But when we have the hope of our salvation, we have a hope in something that is outside of all of these ups and downs. And so are there going to be ups and downs? Yeah, there are still going to be ups and downs. But you don't have to ride that roller coaster so much because what your hope is in is in something that can't be touched by the ups and downs of this life. Because we know how the story ends. That's ultimately what salvation is, is I know how this ends. This life is going to throw a ton of curveballs at you. I'm just going to be real. There's going to be things you don't expect and things that you thought you had under control that aren't in control anymore. But ultimately, if you have salvation, you know how the story ends. No matter what happens in this life, you spend eternity in the perfect love of your Savior who made you to be in relationship with him. That's the end of this story. No matter what roller coaster this ride is, and the Bible also says that this life is like a vapor. It's like when you blow out a candle, how long that smoke puffs for. That's this life. That's it. That whole roller coaster is over before you know it. And those, I'm starting to get old. I'm getting close to 40, and I'm realizing it. Life goes fast. Life goes fast, and it's done. But we hope in our salvation. We don't hope in, in these things. Let me put it to you this way. They have found that people with bad anxiety tend to watch the exact same TV shows and movies over and over and over again. It's a study they found. They, for some reason, rather than watching something new, they watch the same shows over and over again. They're called comfort shows, right? How many of you guys have a comfort show? 
I've got a comfort show. It's something that you watch. Why do we do that? Why, do, why would we want to watch the exact same shows over and over and over again? Well, what they found is it's this perfect middle ground because you know how it ends. So you can kind of still see the drama. You can feel the roller coaster, but it's a little different because you know, right? You know the good guy lives because you've seen the movie. You know this couple stays together and they live happily ever after. You know that. So the roller coaster feels a little different when you know how it ends. This is what it's like living with the hope of our salvation over our head. Yes, there's roller coasters to life and there's going to be ups and downs, but you know how the story ends and you don't have to ride it quite as hard on the ups and downs because you know the ending already. That protects your head. Because you guys, those of you, and, and I'll put myself in there, I've had seasons where I rode that roller coaster hard, and it was from one day to the next. I was emotionally all over the place. My thoughts were not protected by my salvation. My thoughts were fully riding that roller coaster on the highs and lows. The difference of wearing that helmet is, I know how this story ends. This might be a little stressful right now, but I know the good guy wins, right? I know that they end up together at the end. I've seen this movie. I don't have to be afraid of the ending. So yes, I can still enjoy it. And that's kind of what life can feel like is you actually now start to enjoy the ups and downs a little bit because you don't have to live in so much fear of how it's going to end because your salvation is set. The hope of your salvation is secure. You've worn it over your head. You know your future. And that goes back to the more you know about your future, the better you can live out your presence. The more hope you have in your salvation, the more that it protects your thoughts and goes over your head, the better you're going to be able to live out the present ups and downs that you're going through. Because, and I don't want to downplay it, you're going to go through hard times. Most of you are probably going through hard times right now. And I'm not here to say that roller coaster doesn't exist but I'm saying you can know how it ends and you can know that and live it like you really know and trust that it ends. And so before we close this morning, I just want to ask you a couple questions. What do you believe about your future this morning? And not even the future of this world, but do you live truly with that constant idea of this life is a vapor, it's gone. And my entire eternity is set. I will spend eternity with my Savior in the perfect presence of the God I was made to be with. Do you live in that understanding and thought about your future and your current life? And to go along with that, do you think that maybe you've been riding the roller coasters a little bit too much of life? That you've been on the ups and downs a little bit too much? because your hope is being found in your current circumstances versus the hope of your salvation of how this all ends. And I know even for me this is convicting this morning, so please don't feel like I'm yelling at you, but can you imagine the freedom of living life like watching a show you've already seen the ending to versus watching a show and being like, I don't know who wins. I don't know if the couple ends up together. It's a different experience, and my hope is that for all of us, we can live with that hope of our salvation and that it protects the way we think as Christians. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray over you.
Lord, I just thank you for your salvation. Lord, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. This was a gift. Lord, and, and coming up on the Christmas season where we celebrate gifts and, and that we all kind of know, like, well, the real gift on Christmas is our salvation. But Lord, would you help us to put it on, to wear it as a helmet, to have the hope of our salvation protect our heads, Lord God, protect our thoughts. Lord, I pray that for each of us, we live with the true understanding that this life is a vapor and that eternity, if we know you, if we believe in you, if we're born again, our eternity is set. <coughs> Lord, help us to put that helmet on. Help us to protect our thoughts, to not put our hope in our circumstances, in the ups and downs of life, Lord, but instead in the eternity that you have set for us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat>